Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash from us films, LLC, or just search from us F R U M E S S. And don't forget to like share and subscribe audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Welcome to the show. Today, we are going to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, baby. Love some Star Wars. This is a little article from Esquire.com talking about the original concept for Episode 9. As we all know, Episode 9, well, really the whole Disney Star Wars series was just mired in chaos from beginning to end. And the original uh, idea for Episode 9 was way different than what we got. They didn't really seem to know what they were doing with the trilogy at all. They, They had no clue. They didn't know how to go about it. And You know, I guess the single biggest issue really, truly is this, as follows. Um, They didn't have a showrunner. And for something, what I mean by a showrunner, a producer, an overarching producer that is sort of overseeing everything in the same way that Kevin Feige does for Marvel. And, you know, there's no excuses because we've seen how great those Marvel movies have turned out. You know, I was just watching Infinity War and Endgame, the last two Avengers films with my son, you know, part one and part two of the final installment of Avengers, at least the first iteration of the Avengers. And I got to tell you, man, like, I'm just, I'm blown away by what he was able to arrange and accomplish and oversee. You know, obviously it was a a whole team, it, it was a team of teams of teams. I mean, it was a mountain of people that, that executed that that Marvel stuff to make it what it was. But it was all overseen by one person that really understood the comics and the material. And, you know, in the case of Marvel and uh, in the case of DC, sorry, in the case of Disney and Star Wars, that man is John Favreau, the guy who jump-started the Marvel Universe and brought us the Mandalorian. In any case, the original dude who was going to do Episode 9 before J.J. Abrams came back in. For those of you who don't know, it was going to be J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, and Colin Trevorrow, I believe his name is. And what happened was Colin uh, had too many differences with Kathleen Kennedy and just, you know, where things were going. And he walked off the project. And when he walked off the project... J.J. Abrams came back in to basically undo everything that Ryan Johnson did in Episode 8. I am not a big fan of Episode 8 
as a standalone film, I respect Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. As a standalone film, Star Wars Episode Eight is a, a really, really interesting film. It's an interesting piece. But as a part of a collective, cohesive trilogy, it is, it's a train wreck, in my opinion. Truly. Um, so, so that's how I, I feel about it. Let me see that there. Uh, but, you know, now that, you know, and I'm sure that Colin Trevorrow, whoever, you know, was like, we're going to leak our version. When the, when the dust is settled, let's leak our version and show everybody what what everything was supposed to be like. The, the, the original name of the episode was not going to be The Rise of Skywalker. Why is every movie, it's either The Rise of, Dawn of, something, like, you know, everything's got to be The Rise of, Rise of the Zombies, Dawn of the Zombies, you know, it's just like uh, Dawn of the Apes, Rise of the Apes, it's like this thing, you know, just so sick of that. Rise of Skywalker. I don't, what a dumb name for for. I'm sorry, it is. It's dumb. I love the idea that it encompasses. I love the idea of what a Skywalker is, but I hate that it's called Rise of Skywalker. A much cooler name is the aptly titled Duel of Fates, and that's what Colin Trevorrow's episode would have been named, Duel of Fates, which is the name of a piece of music from The Phantom Menace composed by. None other than, oh God, what the hell is the guy's name? I forget. It's not John Williams. It's the other guy. Hans Zimmer, maybe? I don't know. So let's see. This is an article from Esquire magazine. It's written by Dom Nero. This is from February 12th, 2020. Oh, crap. This is old. Well, fiddlesticks. Fiddlesticks. I want to do a video about this anyway. I thought this was brand new, so I was really excited. Dang. 16 pages into the recently leaked script. Wait, maybe I should share this with you guys. I can do that, you know. I can do that. I gotta tell you, I am getting really sick of this Melon studio. It's just not cutting it anymore. I think I'm gonna go back to StreamYard. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not happy. I'm gonna take a, take a poll on my, uh, there we go. Let's see here. Let's get this uh, reading faux shizzle up in this dizzle. Here it is. Hello, where are you? Come out, come out. There it is. This is written by a guy named Dom Nero. Nero Nero. Okay. 16 pages into the recently leaked script for Duel of the Fates, which may or may not be completely fake. I think it was proven not to be fake, if I am not mistaken. Um, 16 pages in, blah, 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 blah. It's may or may not be completely fake. An alien is executed by a lightsaber guillotine. Five pages after that, Kylo Ren's face is violently mute mutilated by a surge of red lightning. His skin is later scalded with a mask made from burning hot Mandalorian iron. In the end, Ray's eyes are cauterized and Hux, now a Chancellor of the First Order, commits seppuku with a decorative lightsaber. That sounds pretty insane to me. That's, that is, that's some, that is some stuff right there. Why is that? Yeah, there we go. Star Wars has had heavy metal vibes before, but this script, 
whether it is real or not, feels like it was found bubbling up from the depths of hell. This is like death metal, man, and I am into it. For weeks now, rumors about the existence of a 2016 draft for Duel of the Fates has been sprouting up all over the internet. First, there was a script breakdown last month. Then the leaked concept art, which turned out to be totally real because it was verified by Trevorrow himself. After that, you know, you know this was leaked. All this stuff was leaked by his camp. Just as like like a last-ditch FU for everything that happened. After that, screenshots of an actual script began appearing on Twitter and Reddit. The elusive PDF allegedly was Colin Trevorrow's original plan for Episode Nine that was abruptly canceled when Disney fired him in 2017, or at least some semblance of what he had in mind. Late last week, the PDF was finally shared in full. We have no way of knowing if this script is legit, and even if it really is an early draft of the project, it is worth keeping in mind that, at the time, Carrie Fisher was also still alive. That's the most amazing thing about Episode 8. You know... Episode 8 came out in 2018. Colin Trevorrow was fired in 2017. At this time, Episode 8 ends up having Carrie Fisher playing Princess Leia survives Episode 8. And Luke Skywalker, played by Mark Hamill, dies in Episode 8. In real life, Carrie, we tragically lose Carrie Fisher. And... Freaking what's his face? Um, uh, Mark Hamill uh, is alive and kicking. God bless and thank thank God <laughs> he's still kicking. And yet Luke Skywalker is now dead. So it's like it's like what is Disney doing, man? What are they doing? Um, it's just so weird. It's so weird. So it's saying it's worth keeping in mind that at the time Carrie Fisher was still alive, she passed away at the tail end December 2016. They had already finished filming The Last Jedi. So things were inevitably set to change in a pretty big way anyway. But if you've been keeping up with all the leaks, it's kind of hard not to believe that this draft is anything but the real deal. The screenwriting is world class. No offense to fan fiction writers, but this ish is not fan fiction. If it is a fake, then whoever wrote it has a future in show business. What makes this Duel of the Fates PDF seem so authentic is how closely it matches up with a lot of the concept art that we've already seen. You know, if we want to be really skeptical, it is possible that somebody saw that concept art and then wrote around the concept art, if we want to be really, really skeptical. But, you know, you know, give, you know give the benefit of the doubt. It's probably real. You know, I, I want to believe that it's real. Uh, concept art that, again, was verified by Trevorrow himself. In the script, the entire galaxy, not just the heroes of the Resistance, has become utterly crushed by the fascist regime of the First Order, which is a, a sort of a, a, an iteration of the Empire. Not just dominated, but crushed. crushed. Chancellor Hux rules over the world of Star Wars with an iron fist. And unlike the relatively inconsequential final order that we would see in Rise of Skywalker, the new empire in Duel of the Fates is a real force of devastation. 
It is a vision for the final act of the Skywalker saga that feels downright apocalyptic. That does sound pretty cool, man. That sound that makes a lot that 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 feels right. You don't get that feeling at all in Rise of the Skywalker. The same apocalyptic sort of imagery we saw in the leaked batch of concept art from a few weeks ago. Much of Duel of the Fates takes place on Coruscant, where the First Order had established their stronghold. Coruscant is the center of the galaxy or the galaxies in Star Wars. You know, it works on a grid system. I can't believe I know this. This is so nerdy. But it works on a grid system, and Coruscant, planet Coruscant, which is where the Emperor has his throne, that's where the Jedi Temple was built, the whole planet is one giant city, and it's zero zero on a grid-like map. So if you have your latitude and longitude, it's 0.0, 0 and 0. So it's the dead center of the galactic universe within Star Wars. So that's where this is taking place, and that's where the First Order has established their stronghold. Finn Poe, Ray and Rose Tico, who had a deservedly larger role in this version of Episode 9. Everybody hated Rose in Episode 8. Um, some people just didn't like her because they're, they're, you know, idiots. And other people didn't like her because her character doesn't really go anywhere. And that's not her fault. That's Ryan Johnson's fault because her whole arc, their whole mission is for nothing. It's literally for nothing. Like we go, we see, we go with them on this whole journey for naught. Like it doesn't make a difference at the end, which leaves I don't know about you, but me very frustrated. Um, does she deserve to be hated? No, but you know, it's just still it's annoying. Um, so she had a deservedly larger role in this version of Episode Nine, and are operating undercover attempting to detonate an orbital ring that would bring sure disaster to Hux's gigantic military operation dead center in Coruscant. Uh, Ray begins the film disguised as a Tusken Raider, that's pretty cool, until she wipes out her double-sided blue lightsaber, until she, sorry, whips out her double-sided blue lightsaber, so they, that the idea of the, the double-sided lightsaber that we saw briefly in J.J. Abrams originally had its origins in this script, which is why which would make sense because Colin Trevorrow got a writing credit and receives royalties that he does donate to charity. He doesn't keep his royalties um, on the Rise of Skywalker. So she has a she whips out a giant double-sided blue lightsaber uh, to lead the resistance as the last Jedi, a hero and inspiration to all. Pretty cool. Uh, Kylo Ren. Absent from the opening of the film, see that was great in Rise of Skywalker. Kylo Ren's opening, that whole opening scene is awesome. Just you know the the crawl, the dead speak, which is really really dumb. Um, you know all you had to do too is just give us, give us one line. Get, make the last segment of episode 8 reveal Snoke's voice talking to Kylo Ren even after Snoke is dead and Kylo Ren thinks it's a force ghost and then all of a sudden Snoke's voice morphs into the em, uh, the Emperor's voice that's all you need to connect Palpatine to the to the to bring Palpatine into the narrative and show that he that that Snoke was a red herring the whole time. It just it, it would make it would it would make so much of what is so wrong m- more forgiving 
at least for me, it more more palpable, you know. And they couldn't even do that. So you know, but that opening scene with with Kylo Ren traveling to the to the to the Palpatine's planet. I can't pronounce the name Zegel Exegel. Uh, is really fun. It's really awesome. Um, so he's absent from the opening of the film, but is on a mission of his own. Just as we saw in concept art, he's lurking around Darth Vader's castle on Mustafar. That's the planet where he was uh, scarred. We, we first see that planet in Episode 3, and he eventually builds his castle on there, and we see it again in Rogue One when, when that dude, dude, uh, um, in the Empire comes to visit uh, uh, Vader. That's on Mustafar. Uh, in search of an ancient well of power from a Sith temple known as Mortis. And again, just as the leak imagery showed us, he's been haunted by the ghost of Luke Skywalker. The sequences would have given Mark Hamill a chance to actually show off his range as he did in The Last Jedi. Here's the portion. Luke, V.O., this is where the dark path leads, an empty tomb. Luke Skywalker's voice haunting his nephew like a spirit. Kylo, and where did your path lead? You're a ghost. Luke, voiceover. I know what you're searching for, Ben. Your master promised you strength, but you feel hollow. Kylo, soon I will be more powerful than any Jedi, even you. Luke, are you sure? The two stories converge when Rey discovers Ren's quest for an unbeatable ancient Sith power, which, by the way, he almost fully attains. Rey goes to stop Ren, who, after being trained by the Sith monster who instructed Emperor Palpatine's master, so they, they go back in time, you know, uh, Palpatine was, was trained by this guy Plagueis, who taught him how to, you know, create life from the Force, and who he killed in his sleep, and that guy was trained by this other dude, and that's who Ren is meeting up with. So they're pulling some obscure character from, you know, the extended universe, which, I, that, I don't need that. I don't need that at all. Don't give me that. Play with the characters that we all know. You want to introduce a, a new big bad this late in the game? Don't do it. Just give us Palpatine. You know, someone in the YouTube comments was like, Jeff, like, I, I, I'd much rather have, I want, you know, give, give us something new and challenging. Don't give us some regurgitated whatever. And and I don't disagree with that. There's something to be said for that. But at the same time, I, I'm just like, that's what I loved about Breaking Bad so much. Breaking Bad was very economical. It kept folding in elements that it had established instead of creating new ones when it wasn't necessary. Look at the ricin. The ricin in season four to Poison Gus, that's a throwaway that is not no no sorry it's actually the ricin is from season two when they're trying to they're trying to poison Tuco right they're trying to poison Tuco with the ricin powder and then it gets reused again in season four that doesn't work and then in the very end Lydia she dies from that same ricin so something that had been sort of plodding along you know from from bit to bit to bit my phone is going to die. That's no good. What is this, not charging? Well, that's not good. Let's try it again. Let's plug that sucker back in. There we go. Now it's charging. Um, you know what I'm saying? Bit by bit by bit, we get we see the ricin get used over and over again. And then with Star Wars, why not do the same? Just use, 
the same things over and over. Not the same things. It's not like we want the same thing over and over again. But, like, it's the Skywalker saga, right? It's the tale of the Skywalker saga. So you can bring Palpatine back. That's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm ultimately okay with that. I said the same thing about, you know, they, they, the Emperor Palpatine, you know, trick is, is actually, it's done sort of in, uh, in Scream 3 with uh, Roman. Uh, Sydney's brother turns out to be the impetus of the of Stu and and Billy, and I kind of like that too. I kind of like that they sort of tie that back in, and that sort of creates a loop. And you know what? You don't need Scream Four. Give me Scream Five. Give me as many screams as you're going to give me. I don't mind, especially if it's going to have Jenna Ortega taking over for Nev Campbell, who's my forever love of all time. Nev Campbell, love you. But still. Um. <laughs> So, so he's being trained by a Sith monster who instructed Emperor Palpatine's master um, has finally gone full Sith Lord. That's Kylo Ren. He's finally gone full Sith Lord with a Darth Vader mask of his own. So he makes his own Vader-like mask. When Rey tracks down Ren and cuts through the satisfyingly vicious Knights of Ren. So the Knights of Ren are around. They are hanging out. Um... Leia and the Resistance, because she's still around, remember? Leia is still around. Leia and the Resistance concoct a plan to send out a beacon across the galaxy in search for someone, anyone, to come help and destroy the First Order. The beacon is analog, so it's undetectable by the new Empire's advanced fleet. And it comes from the bowels of the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Yes, which is a really cool sort of idea. I love that. I love that idea. That, you know, um, they're using an analog signal to get by the digital stuff. You don't really think of technology in that kind of way in relation to the Star Wars universe, but I like that. Clearly, this is a very different story than Rise of Skywalker. I, maybe a, a slightly better story. I mean, the idea that they're looking for anybody to come help and destroy the First Order, which also kind of happens a little bit in Rise of Skywalker, uh... And I don't know, I feel like that's a little wishy-washy, but whatever. Better or not, what's evident on the pages of this unverified text, he, he makes note, the writer here makes note to say that it is unverified text. The writers, if they really were Trevorrow and Conley, were prepared to make some choices, not small choices. See, I'm down with that. I'm down with that, too. Like, give us big, bold choices in the final movie. Don't give us big bold choices in the middle movie. Well, you can, but like, you gotta, you can't make a big bold choice with Luke Skywalker in the middle movie, and it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice, even though it kind of is. Like, it just feels like like throwing your toy away before it's, you know, fully fulfilled itself. Luke was not had not been fulfilled in this new trilogy. Like, you know, you have to like even you know I was pretty satisfied with Han Solo's death. I knew the the, the story behind it. I was okay with it. You know, I would imagine they would have saved Han Solo's death for the second film. And then you can have Leia or Luke dying in the final film. I don't know, man. I don't know. But to kill him in the first film was you know, could have been better. But I ultimately accepted it and was like, I knew that he he didn't want to be in those movies. He was like, if I do this again, you gotta kill me. And so they killed him. And that was it. Um, So not small choices like unplugging C-3PO, only to bring them back again. That, there was no sacrifice. There were no stakes when C-3PO 
was reset. You know what I mean? Like he didn't they didn't really lose C three PO. That would have been uh, uh kind of devastating had they really truly lost him. No no not lightweight moments like Finn, Ray, and Poe merely hugging at the end, with no sense of what sort of interpersonal relationships transpired between the three of them. No cop outs like making Ray's parents no one and then the children of the most powerful Sith Lord ever. But real goddamn choices. So yeah, I mean, they just they just play. I mean, they just play with you in this new Disney trilogy. She's no one. She's someone. She's no one. She's someone. Oh, she's you know, Luke is the son of of, of Darth Vader. So let's make Rey the granddaughter of Palpatine. It's really stupid when you think about it. Really stupid. I think in the past I've said that worked. I was okay with that, but two years and some change onward. Not really. So here's some official concept art from... I don't know if you can see it. It's right here. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at this real quick. So you have... Right here you have... Luke. Here, I'll make my, my face smaller so we can better see this stuff. You got Luke Skywalker grabbing... Force Ghost Luke blocking Kylo Ren's saber with his hand. That's pretty cool. Uh, to the right is C-3PO comforting a damaged R2-D2. Uh, down below you have Ray being trained by Luke, I guess as a Force Ghost. And then, this is cool, you have Kylo Ren fighting Vader in the fourth frame. And this is all verified, real Colin Trevorrow artwork. Um, Finn for... So now they're talking about Finn for a minute. Hold on. Raphael says, hold on, what does Raphael say? Uh, there's a video from the Star Wars Theory channel. I know the Star Wars Theory channel. That's a pretty good channel. Uh, Kylo Ren talks to Luke at Vader's castle. Animated Duel of the Fate script, and it's worth the watch. Okay, I will definitely check that out. That's, that does sound like it's worth the watch. Uh, Finn, for instance, inspires First Order stormtroopers to find something worth fighting for. With his help, and by harnessing his traumatic past, um, let's see here. What did I, what did I do here? <gasps> With his help, and harnessing his traumatic past, he's able to turn the tide and preach the good word of the resistance to his former brothers. It's a character beat that feels not only satisfying, but necessary. Rise of the Skywalker barely gave him anything other than a few exasperated... Uh, oh, what am I saying? A few exasperated... Where I, I keep... A few exasperated screams. Poe gets to have his Han Solo moment. The character has always been a Solo adjacent, yes... But in Duel of the Fates, Trevorrow and Conley have him and Rey in sort of an Empire Strikes Back, will they or won't they think? That's interesting. And to put it in the final film, when we don't really get a sense of that in the first or the second film. The script sends the odd couple off together, and the characters get to full, fulfill their attraction for each other. I never noticed. They didn't. If anything, I feel like Finn and Rey had that in the first film, a little bit. And, you know, also there's a whole thing between Poe and Finn. It's like there's this triangle happening. Uh, so they get to fulfill their attraction for each other. They make out. Ray and Poe make out. Can you imagine? Even Chewie gets his due. Towards the big finale, 
a starship battle that takes place mostly in the skies of Coruscant. Very cool imagery there. Chewbacca is left without a ship of his own, so he decides to hop in an X-Wing, and he kicks some ass as he should. The big dude is almost a century old at this point, and he's been flying since before any of these pilots were born. I would want to watch that scene. So here's some more. Here's some more over here. Let's take a look. This is some more jazz right here. We have Ray with the uh, double-bladed blue lightsaber fighting Kylo Ren in a very Luke Vader sort of moment. Then you have Ray taking out stormtroopers. She's got the dark Luke Skywalker garb from Return of the Jedi at the bottom. Uh, Hux commits suicide with a lightsaber after Kuriskunt falls to the resistance. And then the last one is Leia delivers a message to a BB-8 uh, unit, which is a callback to the new, to A New Hope, which, you know, again, that's what they bank on, this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? They bank on these nostalgic moments. Uh, and then more, you have C-3PO and R2-D2 exploring the Coruscant ruins. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, by the way. The Falcon lands on a new planet. Then you have the First Order resume control over Coruscant pre-defeat, and then Ray Finn yelling Ray during a battle scene. But despite, but bum, 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 but despite its promise, Duel of the Fates does exactly doesn't exactly stick the landing in the end. See, Rise of the Skywalker, it says it right here. Whereas Rise of the Skywalker had a fairly tidy conclusion, this alleged version of the film ends in messy fragments. That's one thing that was so redeeming about what. JJ was, you know, trying to to land with this final film. Rise of Skywalker, that last scene where Ray just goes on the Skywalker is great. I, I feel like I've said this on the last three podcasts, but it's great. I'm happy with that. Great. You're a Skywalker. The Jedi are dead, the Sith are dead. That's what that's what Ryan Johnson wanted, right? So it's like now there's this new thing called Skywalkers. The Skywalkers no longer exist. They are a family that has died out, and now, you know, the stuff that made them great being, you know, uh, force wielders and whatnot, and bringing balance to the force and taking away balance from the force, now all of it is embodied in a moniker, a title to carry on, known as the Skywalker. That works for me, truly. But let's see what they say about, about Duel of the Fates. Rey is blinded by Kylo Ren who has grown more powerful than any Sith before. Okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. That's not, it's kind of like what happened to Neo in, um, in the Matrix Revolutions, but I'm okay with that. Uh, she loses. It's revealed that it was Ren and his knights who killed Rey's parents. Interesting. That's interesting. That's a, very much a Jack Nicholson killing Michael Keaton's parents in Batman. Tim, Tim uh, uh, what's his face? Tim Burton's Batman. Before Ren, before Ren can gain control of the all-encompassing power he's been seeking throughout the film, he's confronted by the ghost of Luke Skywalker. When the two of them face off, Ray manages to bring herself back to life. She ties a bandana around her eyes and enters again, this time completely blind, but with the power of all of her friends at her side, somehow. They kind of 
hype her up from afar with the force. It's not clear. But she loses again. Yeah, the bad guys win a lot in this script, what, uh, which is actually pretty satisfying. That's what the writer says. This time, Leah reaches out to her son, much like how she does in Rise of Skywalker. You can very much see why Colin Trevorrow got a writing credit. Um, she manages to force Ren to bring the slay Ren, slay, slain Ray back to health, which kills him in the process. But he dies as Ben Solo, which, with, as the script says, a look that could be, be perceived as love. He also happens to tell Ray that her last name is Solana, as if that means anything to us. Yeah, I, it doesn't, right? It, it, it doesn't really. With the help of a massive insurrection from the poorer re, uh, regions beneath the surface of Coruscant, Coruscant, I, I'm just, I, I suck at saying that word, I'm sorry guys. The resistance prevails over the First Order. Lando leads a huge brigade of smugglers and pirates to aid them. R2-D2 is fried in a heroic final moment. They fix him up later. The film ends as A New Hope ended, with a medal ceremony. Finn, Poe, and Rose get high honors. Even Chewie finally gets his medal this time. But one person is missing. After her climatic showdown with Ren... Nobody knows if Rey is alive or not. In the last moments on the f- on, of the film, on a distant planet called Modesta, we see Rey Solana, her face fully healed, teaching the next generation of Jedi. The end reads, Here she will train a new generation of Jedi and pass down what she has learned, that only an understanding of the balance within can lead to peace and justice in the galaxy. That's not very satisfying. It's unfair to make a comparison between this shady leak and the actual Rise of Skywalker. With Leia playing such a central role in Duel of the Fates, it's a bit of a fantasy anyway. A lot of this was going to be overhaul, but what is made extremely clear in the script leak, or not, is that Star Wars is good when there is consequence. That is true. We love Empire Strikes Back because the rebels really fucking lose. That moment between Luke and Darth Vader is so affecting because, well, something actually happens. His hand gets chopped off. His dreams of his parents come crashing down. He falls out of an air shaft into space. It's so true, man. It's so true. Star Wars works best when there's consequence. J.G. Abrams did not have the courage to kill off a single main character in Rise of Skywalker, aside from a villain who had already been dead for so many years, and Ben Solo, who had been irredeemable from the start, and Hux as well. This Duel of the Fates screenplay is so fun to read because it's adventurous, it's weird, it's dark, it's metal. But above all, it's conclusive. Meh, yeah. So I thought Rise of Skywalker was pretty conclusive too. Uh, somewhat. That's something Rise of Sky- Skywalker just never managed to be. That's what the writer says. Uh, and that's it. That's the end. So... I don't know, guys. I don't... I don't know. I... A part of me would hope, and I've seen bits and pieces online that there's going to be some sort of comic book that adapts this Rise of Sky... uh, Sorry, this uh, Duel of Fates script. And I'd like to see it, you know? That's the beauty about the comic book format. It has given life to so many 
you know, scripts. Like a great example on the Creep Show, they, they there was a, a segment in Creep Show Two. They never filmed it. There was the fourth segment. It was it was a bowling segment, and they brought it back as a comic book. It was either a script or a, I think it was a comic book in for the the Arrow box set, which I think is really really great. I love stuff like that. You know, um, I know they're doing Alien 3. Some original scripts for Alien 3 are drastically different from what we got. And they're making comic books out of that, too. You know, uh, I love it when that stuff happens. So I'd like to see a comic book come out of this. What do you guys think? What are your feelings on the new Star Wars trilogy? Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, a nice short one tonight. How does the new mic sound? Do I sound good with this mic? Is it better if I bring it closer to my mouth, or is it better where it is over here? Am I talking loud enough? I'll, I'll review. I'll review later and find out. In the meantime, uh, we'll see you next week. Got a bunch of shows lined up. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, one last comment here from Raphael. He says, have you watched the uh, SC-38 reimagined video? What he, SC-38 is a scene, that's scene 38, from the original Star Wars, which is where uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi fights Darth Vader and dies and loses. And someone, these fans, they, they in order to make it feel like, you know, um, in order to make it feel more, to, to, to bridge the continuity, because in that original stuff... Uh, you know, th that's friggin' Sir Alec Guinness as an old man, you know, barely being able to wield a lightsaber. And you look at episode three and all the stuff they're doing with their fancy lightsabers. So this was an, an effort to sort of bridge the continuity there, and it's phenomenal. It's on YouTube. Everybody should check out Scene 38 Reimagined. It is, I agree, Raphael, it is one of the best fan-made things ever Dagger Love says, put the mic halfway close, closer. What about this? I just bumped up the my my volume like that. How does that sound? How does that sound now? I don't know. You know what? I'm going to have to experiment. I'll watch this video back and see what looks like what. Because I feel like if I have the mic too close, I'm going to get too passionate, and my, my P's are going to puh, puh, puh. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and if I have it, the, the last mic was very sensitive. I don't know. I'll be able to, I'll figure something out. We'll figure something out here. But this was this was needed because my whole system, my whole rig doesn't work right now. It's, I'm so frustrated about that. Um, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment. Um, check out the Patreon Check out the t-shirts. The we got t-shirts below. I don't know what else to say. That's it. That's it for tonight. So join us uh, this week with a, a brand new set of shows. Lots of shows coming. So peace and hair grease.